0: Limerick Today with Joe Nash on Live 95 Right, let's hear a little bit of uh, what uh, the new president of uh, the US, uh, great first name by the way, Joe, that's going to get popular again, uh, Joe Biden uh, said in his speech We shall write an American story of hope not fear, of unity not division, of light, not darkness, a story of decency and dignity love and healing, greatness and goodness. May this be the story that guides us, the story that inspires us, and the story that tells ages yet to come, that we answer the call of history. We met the moment. Democracy and hope, truth and justice did not die in our watch but thrive, that America secured liberty at home and stood once again as a beacon to the world. That is what we owe our forebearers, one another and generation to follow. The new president, the 46th of the United States, uh, Joe Biden, uh, during his inaugural address uh, yesterday in an eerie, eerie Washington, D.C., for all sorts of uh, reasons. Uh, It's something else when you have uh, more soldiers standing around with guns uh, than you do members of the public allowed to attend because of the COVID-19 restrictions. But that's where we're at right now. And Hilary McGann from NewsFix and Professor Neil Robinson of the University of Limerick both with me uh, to uh, chat to us um, uh, about it. Um, Hillary. I suppose in any other circumstances, because we did hear as far back as December that there were plans for a a real Irish flavour to this inauguration, but because of COVID-19, because of the crisis, we probably didn't see as much as maybe Joe Biden with his Irish links would have liked. Yeah, maybe not. Morning, though.
1: Um, Mm. Maybe not um, as publicly yesterday, but I think... There definitely is always an Irish tone. I mean, Joe Biden speaks about his Irish connections more than I do, and I'm born and raised in Ireland. You know, um, you know, for example, when he was leaving Delaware on Tuesday, he again referenced Ireland, and he often quoted Irish poets. Um, and he said basically he was saying in in his speech, you know, his departing speech before going to Washington, that he's always teased by other senators about how he is constantly quoting Irish poets, and he said. They think I do it because I'm Irish, and I didn't do it for that reason. I did it because they're the best poets in the world. And so I think you'll have kind of a consistent um, mention of Ireland throughout his presidency. It's going to be, I would expect, a very warm relationship between Ireland and yeah. the US, and I think at such an important time with Brexit and everything.
0: What was interesting, though, was during his inaugural itself, there wasn't a quote from an Irish poet. There was <laughs> a- an allusion to Heaney. He mentioned hope and history, um, but mm. that may have been deliberate or it may have just been part of the speech.
1: Yeah, I think I think people were surprised with that. I'm not going to lie that there wasn't more of... Um, a mention of it but i think you know he, he spoke before about his catholic roots and how being irish has shaped his whole life And you saw that he went to mass before the inauguration a catholic priest spoke at the inauguration and i think those ties um are all connected and you know i, I would say there'll be many 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 times throughout his presidency whether it's one term or two that he will be referencing ireland and i'm sure he'll be making um Getting
0: a diary, um, a visit to Ireland in the diary very soon. Yeah. Uh, Neil Robinson, um, as I watched the speech, I was trying to think about it in context. Um, you know, obviously the COVID 19 challenge we're all experiencing, and that probably leads to heightened emotions. Then his predecessor and what he did to speech making and the English language even recently. And I couldn't decide was it low expectations uh, or did President Biden really rise to the challenge in both his delivery and in the speech itself, which, to be honest, was, you know, a little derivative at times?
2: Yeah, I I think a little bit of both there, Joe. I mean, I I don't think it was – it wasn't a bad speech. Um, I don't think it was a brilliant speech. He got a lot of praise afterwards, but I think that's the low expectation that you referred to uh, coming into play. Um, I thought the speech started well. Thought the speech ended well. I thought it got a little bit repetitious in the middle, um, uh, and uh, and his delivery I thought also sort of broke down a little bit in the middle. But um, he, he hit the main points. I suppose that uh, um, he's got to deal with COVID. Uh, he's got to deal with uh, the environment crisis. He's got to deal with uh, the rise of the extreme right and with calling the uh, the temperature of American politics, and uh, he's got to restore America's uh, relationship with its allies, which took such a pounding uh, over the last four years. So he did all of those things. Um, uh, You know, he pointed out, uh, obliquely, Trump's absence and, you know, sort of uh, appealed for the sort of politics of civility. So he did all the things he needed to do. But um, as I say, I I thought it it was... it was not the most powerful speech. Um, you know, there were one or two moments of rhetorical flourish, you know, the winter of peril, the possibility, uh, you know, sort of uh, one or two bits like that. But um, it, it was workmanlike and competent. And, uh, uh, and that's probably, given the nature of the occasion, you know, without a mass crowd, you um, uh, without, you know, sort of pauses for a, applause from the mall, uh, all of those things, you know, it was probably more or less what was needed. But um, it, it, it it's, it's gathered more praise than I think it deserved, but it wasn't a bad speech.
0: Yeah. Um, Hilary, it's interesting, the performers that were picked, Lady Gaga delivered the uh, national anthem, the US national anthem. Uh, and what I thought was fascinating was Garth Brooks for Amazing Grace, uh, which yeah, cle- yeah. clearly was an appeal to the the Trump supporters who may feel yeah, alienated, wasn't it? It was a very deliberate choice because he's very popular in, you know, the the middle section of the United States, those, those, what they call, really disparagingly over there, the flyover states.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think that was no, there was no coincidence in that that they take Gareth Brooks, a country singer, um, a legend in country music, that kind of connect to Republicans, would have a wide range of support among Republican voters. And I think, you know, that's in an indirect, discreet way, I suppose, what Joe Biden is talking about, about reaching out to, to what's often called the silent majority in the U.S., of Republicans, in what you're saying, you know, those flyover states in the middle of the country that, you know, for whatever reason, didn't feel heard. And so many of them voted for Obama for two years and then voted for President Trump. And I think this is, the first um, sign of, of Biden's, you know, potential outreach to them and whether or not it will have impact, impact, I'm not sure. But, you know, you spoke about the other performers, but I actually think, um, I, I agree with what, everything that Neil said, actually, um, in regards to Biden's speech. I think, personally, the iconic moments of yesterday, if you're to watch one thing, I would be Googling Amanda Gorman's yeah. poem, The Hill We Climb. I thought it was just iconic. It spoke so beautifully about the way the state America is in um, and what what you know challenges my face in the future. And it was really delivered in such a beautiful way. She's gone completely viral. And I would be saying, you know, celebrities aside, that was the moment of the inauguration,
0: I think. Yeah, no, John Pienaar of uh, Times Radio is in Washington, D.C. And, of course, we can't forget Donald Trump. Uh, he was president up to yesterday. And he was pretty busy
2: with pardons. He could be pardoning 100 people today, giving presidential pardons to 100 people. Okay. You know, some of them allies, some of them business people, mm-hmm. so they don't get prosecuted or sent to jail how do you feel about that i guess most people or some people they just act on their benefit or
3: i don't know they don't think about us like the people how that could affect us because i mean if you see me i wake up at four in the morning every day and i come to do my job so in a way i also think that other people deserve a second chance
2: too you know? So two days left. Today, maybe 100 presidential pardons. What are your thoughts? I
3: think the whole pardoning thing from a criminal is pretty ridiculous. I just think it's inappropriate. I don't think he should have any kind of power right now.
2: <laughs> not even to give out those pardons? No. <laughs> you think he would abuse them then? Yes,
3: absolutely. I mean, he clearly is not upholding the law as a you know, personally uh, and professionally, so I don't think he should have the power to to pass it on to other people, especially when our country clearly doesn't want him leading this country anymore.
2: You're feeling optimistic about the future or pessimistic? I am,
3: I am very optimistic. I think once we get him out of the office, it can't get much worse than this.
2: Okay,
0: thank you. <laughs> That is uh, John Pienaar of Times Radio in Washington talking to people around the inauguration and we're chatting uh, to Hilary McGann from Newsfix and Professor Neil Robinson from the University of uh, Limerick. Uh, and I was amazed to see uh, a former diplomat, a former UK ambassador to the US on Sky News last night, Neil, really overtly referring to um, Joe Biden as, quote, an Irish Catholic, And talking about how the UK government are going to have to deal with him from now on when they were, frankly, Boris Johnson particularly, very close to Donald Trump.
2: Yeah, it's, uh, it's a bit of a problem for them, I think. Um, you know, sort of, uh, Biden was uh, very clear uh, during the final stages of the Brexit negotiation uh, that uh, the Northern Ireland um, uh, uh, the Friday Agreement had to be. Um, dealt with in a way that uh, uh, in the negotiations in a way that sort of uh, led to its continuation that did disturb the uh, the status quo um, so uh, they, they, they they made some statements yesterday the UK government about you know sort of how they're going to share a fantastic agenda uh, they even put some talking points out which tried to make a positive out of by uh, Biden's, um, uh uh, Irish uh, ancestry and uh, an association with Ireland, saying that you know, sort of, he was someone who
1: uh,
2: knew the area and therefore would be sympathetic. Um, so uh, they're they're sort of backpedalling uh, quite desperately, I think, on on the on one hand. But uh, the ambassador was right; it's going to be an issue for them. Yeah. Um,
0: Uh, We want to hear from one of our favourite Limerick connections to Joe Biden, Uh, Lynn Buffington, who was a good friend of the Limerick Today show. uh, She lived in Limerick for many years and uh, she told uh, Gillian a a funny story on uh, the show in the last couple of months. When I was at the University of Delaware,
3: one of my close was reg- a regular babysitter for Joe Biden, and um, I would go with her at times, and I filled in for her when when she could not do it. And um, that was many moons ago. Like I said I, I was in college. His boys were very young, uh, little boys at that
0: point. This is Hunter and Beau.
3: Yes, yes, and um, my claim to fame was um, their dog died on my watch. <laughs> I don't know if it's a claim to fame or not.
0: Oh, Lynn, were you <laughs> were you kept on after that? <laughs>
3: well, yeah, I mean, it, it, actually, it, it, it wasn't my fault I didn't kill the dog. <laughs> but, um, you know, it, it you know, it's like, how, how did things go? Oh, well, the boys went to bed, fine. Governor over there hasn't moved in about six hours, though.
0: <laughs> oh, dear.
3: So, but. Anyway, it was
0: just a funny story that I told Joe that evidently has come back to haunt me. Yeah, that's Lynn there. So um, I think, uh, other than uh, God forbid some harm coming to the children, it probably doesn't get much worse as a babysitter than having to uh, tell um, the future president of the United States, your dog died while you were out. But anyway, there you go. That was uh, Lynn Buffington um, there. Um, Hillary, he got to work fairly quickly, didn't he? He signed all sorts of orders reversing things that uh, Donald Trump uh, had uh, ordered over a couple of years really, but he he got uh, it sorted fairly quickly.
1: (laughs) There was no time wasted, Joe. Oh my God, he was in the Oval Office so quickly signing, I think it was somewhere between 15 and 17 um, executive actions. A lot of them were expected, and I think it's a statement, you know, you're starting your presidency day one, and you're going to reverse some of the most controversial policies of the administration before you. So what we saw last night was, you know, um, things that he had already outlined he'd do, like ju- rejoining the Paris Climate Agreement, of course, um, bringing an end to President Trump's ban on the Muslim-majority countries traveling to the U.S., uh, ensuring that the U.S. will remain a member of the World Health Organization, which last April, um, you remember, President Trump withdrew funding um, over claims that they hadn't handled the pandemic well, blaming China, and so I think they were the most controversial things. He also put it, made it mandatory to wear masks um, and social distance in government buildings. So I think that he's sending a clear message of where he lies on, on certain um, issues, what policies he's going to bring forward. And I think he's in a very strong position. I also thought what was so interesting was just how quickly the White House transitioned. You know, he was in the Oval Office maybe, what, four or five hours after the inauguration and he's sitting behind the desk with all his family photos of all his family through the years. And I just thought, wow, you know, how how fast they do it. And the whole Oval Office and the whole White House has been transformed.
0: Yeah, yeah. I have to say, though, you're talking about social distancing. I pray that Garth Brooks does not have COVID-19 because there oh are no... God, there are a number of ex-presidents who are likely, and their wives older. and connections yeah. and people. He went on a hugathon um, as he was leaving after singing Amazing Grace. I actually
1: felt that the networks who were carrying it live were almost saying, "Should we take this off?" <laughs> Because he's going around, he's talking to everybody and masks No, it, and I think
0: it was it I was genuine, was little... it was sincere. I'm sure you knew them <laughs> yes. all, but you're just going, uh, Garth, sing the song and move on, man.
1: I know, exactly.
0: <laughs> but, no, he did a lovely That's... job. He sang Amazing Grace beautifully at Ferris. He did, he, he,
1: he did. did. It was, it was yeah.
0: very nice. Uh, and I suppose we should also say your former uh, friends and colleagues in CNN are probably delighted to see the back of Donald Trump. Uh, fake News Central, according to him.
1: Well, look, yeah, I mean, there, there was no hiding the amount of attacks that President Trump had on the network. But I do think um, they, they face new challenges now, which will make it even more interesting. You know, um, I think it was easy to point out the flaws in President Trump. But um, I think the media in the U.S. have a real um, have to really sit and think, what are they what way are they going to do this now? Because. And it can't just be favorable to Biden all the time. And I think networks like CNN do face challenges with that. I'll just be totally honest. You know, I think um, 67% of CNN viewers are Democrats. 65% of Republicans go to Fox News. So you've got to split down the middle. And also, I think, you know, news never had more ratings than they did in President Trump's during President Trump's administration. Whether they liked him or not, people were watching. And I think the real challenge now is, Biden wants to go back to normal, and normal sometimes can equal boring, you know? <laughs> so mm. how are they going to do that? And I think it's a welcome move but for a lot of people, but it also brings... Um New
0: challenges, for sure. Well, we had Tánis de Leo Varadkar on the show yesterday and uh, he was expressing the hope that we'll see Joe Biden in um, Ireland in the not-too-distant future once the pandemic, and and who knows on that one, um, gets to a point where uh, he's welcome and at least we'll be able to welcome an American president uh, with very genuine, distinct and obvious Irish roots rather than this desperate... Uh, need we have to find a connection to just about anybody who's in that office. But anyway, listen, thank you yes. both uh, very much. Um, we wish uh, him well because, as we have absolutely seen over the last few years, the person in charge in Ireland or in the US or in many of the other countries around the world does actually matter. Um, so thank you to uh, Hilary McGann from Newsfix and uh, Professor Neil Robinson from the University of Limerick.
2: Call Limerick today now on 46